1: Episcopal sister Adelaide Hayward-Mills is the wife of Bishop Doug Hayward-Mills, the presiding bishop and founder of the United Denominations, originating from the Lighthouse Group of Churches, UD, OLGC, and Healing Jesus Campaigns. An attorney by profession, working full-time in the ministry of the Lord Jesus, she serves under her husband and visionary as a full-time pastor. She is the founder of Cold by His Side ministry an organization for pastors, wives, and women in ministry. She is also the founder and pastor of Compassion Ministries, a ministry that reaches out to lost souls from all walks of life, both the affluent and the underprivileged. As an international conference speaker who holds conferences for both the young and the old, she ministers powerfully under the anointing on a plethora of topics in many countries around the world to bring encouragement to the discouraged, hope to the hopeless, and strength to the weak, wherever the Spirit of God leads her. Episcopal Sister Adelaide Hillwood mills oversees the Lighthouse Christian Mission Schools and the Lighthouse Christian Children's Home. Above all, she believes her primary calling is to be the helpmate to her husband and constantly prays for grace to be in tandem with her husband's vision. Let's give an interdenominational women of faith welcome to Episcopal Sister Adelaide Hillwood mills
2: we thank God for the opportunity to be in his presence once again. And once again, I want to say to the women of faith ministry and to all who stand with Dr. Letina in this great work, that may the Lord encourage your hands. You know, the Bible says God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, It's God you are working for and it's God who rewards. And I pray that God will remember you for all the efforts, every seed you have put into this conference. May the Lord remember you. I salute Pastor Peter and Lady Pastor Latina again and all those who stand with them. I pray that the Holy Spirit will lead us in this session also. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. Moses said, if your presence go not with us, send us not from hence. I pray that your presence will be with us in a tangible way this time. I pray that your Holy Spirit will speak through this, these lips of clay. I pray that the words that I speak shall be spirit and they shall be life. Holy Spirit, without you I can do nothing. Therefore, endue me with power from on high and use me to the glory of Jehovah's name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we've been talking about the presence of God, the presence of God. And I quickly want to talk about what the presence of God is. The presence of God is actually the Holy Spirit with us. The Holy Spirit manifests itself with us in three dimensions. The Holy Spirit is upon us, the Holy Spirit is in us, and the Holy Spirit is with us. That is God's presence. Amen? So all these three relationships are relevant and important for us. What we normally call the anointing is the Holy Spirit upon us. What we call the presence of God is what normally is the Holy Spirit with us. And what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit in us. Each of re- these relationships of the Holy Spirit with us is unique and produces special and wonderful results in our lives. Now, the first one is the Holy Spirit on us. And that's what we usually call the anointing. So that in Luke 4, 18 to 19, the Bible says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. So when we say the Spirit of the Lord is upon you, it means the Spirit of the Lord has anointed you. And that's what we usually call the anointing. Now, Jesus was saying the Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he was anointed. The Spirit of the Lord had anointed him to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me, two, to heal the broken-hearted, three, to preach deliverance to the captives, four, to preach recovering of sight to the blind, five, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So if you are bruised here at this moment, if you are broken, if you are hurt somewhere, the anointing is being sent so that it will set you at liberty. And every bondage, Associated with your wounds and your pain will be broken by the anointing. And also, he said, The Spirit of the Lord was upon him because he hath anointed him to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. All right. When you are anointed, you are empowered to do God's work. That is why Luke chapter 4, verse 18, explains how Jesus has been empowered. In the Old Testament, Only prophets, kings, and priests were anointed and empowered to do God's work. The rest of the people could not do God's work. But in the New Testament, the Bible says you have the anointing. You have the anointing. You have no need that anybody would teach you, okay? So when you come into the new dispensation under Christ, God anoints you and God gives you gifts. In fact, in the New Testament, He even gives gifts as pastors, evangelists, prophets, teachers, singers, and helpers are all gifts of the Holy Spirit, which are of the anointing. Amen. Then the second dimension is the Holy Spirit in us. John 14, 16 to 17. And I'll pray the Father. He shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But you know him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. He dwelleth with you and shall be with you. That is the Holy Spirit in us. So the Holy Spirit in us causes us to speak in tongues. That's why the Bible said in Acts, as the Spirit gave them utterance. So that is the Holy Spirit in us. So where the influence of the Holy Spirit in us is not strong, we do not speak in tongues and we do not evangelize. The day of Pentecost did not just end with speaking in tongues. It ended with they going into all the world to make disciples. And Christians today want to have the anointing. They want to have the Holy Spirit in us with the evidence of speaking in tongues, but they don't want to be soul winners. That is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit does not work piecemeal. So we have the Holy Spirit on us, which is the anointing, the Holy Spirit in us, which is the baptism of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, and the Holy Spirit with us is what we call the presence of God. God is with us. So in John 14, 17, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, neither knoweth him, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you so dwelling with you is also the Holy Spirit with us that is why in Zephaniah 370 the Bible says the Lord thy God in the midst of thee that is in you within you amen is mighty he will rest his love he will joy over you with singing this is the oldest relationship that the Holy Spirit has had with human beings all through the New Testament, it was the presence of the Holy Spirit of God that gave victory to the Israelites. God promised that more people would have the Holy Spirit. Now, many times, you may have the Spirit of God upon you, which is the anointed, the Spirit of God in you, which is giving you a to speak in tongues, and the Spirit of God with you, which is the presence of God, you know demarcated or, or, or uh, described as also the Holy Spirit. Now, Lady Reverend, can you be anointed but be without the presence of God? Yes, you can be anointed but not have the presence of God. Why? Because Romans eleven twenty nine 29 says, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance or the gifts and calling of God are not revoked. You know, in law, they say you can make a contract and you revoke it because of certain terms or certain things that happen. Or you may make, make a contract and there are vitiating factors, things that you didn't know before the contract that put the contract aside. And therefore, the contract can be revoked. But with God also, his gifts and his calling are without repentance. God does not give and take back you see, so you can have the gift of the spirit and yet not have his presence. God does not take away his gifts, but he can take away his presence. You can have a gift from somebody, but the person may not be with you. I may give you a gift, but I may not be with you as you enjoy the gift. You know, you can be given a car as a gift, but the person will not be with you as you drive the car. The person can give you a Bible as a gift and live with you as well. That is when you are given, let's say, an engagement Bible in our Ghanaian tradition, and after that, the person also lives with you. But you can gift somebody a Bible and not live with the person. A good example is Saul, because in First Samuel 16, 13 to 14, the Bible says Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed Saul, David, in the midst of his brethren. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David, and from that day forward, so Samuel rose up and went to Ramah. But notice this, but the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord troubled him. As David had been anointed or was being anointed, the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit troubled him. But Saul was still on the throne. Saul was still anointed as king. So you can have an anointing. You can have giftings. But it doesn't mean God is with you. And I think that a lot of ministries and God's children make that mistake. Thinking that when God is with you or God's gifts are with you or God's anointings are with you. It means that God is with you. I'm sorry. It doesn't mean that. Saul had been anointed king for many years. The Bible says the Spirit of God departed from him, but he was still operating as a king under the same gifts and the same anointing. Lady Reverend, why do you say that? Because when David saw him in the cave, David said, I will not take my sword and strike the Lord's anointed. So although the Spirit of God had departed from him earlier, he was still operating in the anointing. And therefore David said, I will not lift my hand against the Lord and against his anointed. Amen. So many times you are working with God and because God's gifts are still showing, you think that it means the presence of God is with you. But it doesn't mean that. And David knew that. That's why he said in Psalm 51, cast me not away from thy presence. The presence of God was so important to David. Cast me not away from thy presence, O Lord. And then what's the next line and take not your Holy Spirit from me he knew that he could still be king he knew that he could still be anointed in fact Saul stayed on the throne for years and that's what deceives us as believers we think that when the gifts are in operation and manifestation it means that God is with us but David knew that he could still be king but God would take away his presence and God will take away his anointing, his Holy Spirit, and he will be in trouble. Beloved, the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. But the presence of God is with repentance. It can be revoked. Amen. Another example is Samuel, Samson, sorry, who went and Delilah said in Judges sixteen twenty, the, Phil- the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. He awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. As at other times, Samson had been living anyhow, but every time he went and he shook himself, the gifts will work. Every time he went and he shook himself, the anointing will be there. Beloved, I pray that we will not be deceived by the gifts and the callings. So he said, oh, I will go and shake myself because he had shaken himself a number of times and snapped ropes so he thought that God was with him in the time of disobedience but this time God has departed he said I'll go out and shake myself like I often do and the Bible says and he wished not that the Lord had departed from him beloved may we not come to that place where his presence has left us and yet his gifts are with us and we are deceived may that not be our portion may the Lord deliver us another case in point is Judas when we read our Bibles from Matthew chapter 10 we see that maybe we haven't averted our minds to it but Judas was anointed like everybody else Judas was sent out like everybody else. But a time came when the spirit of God was not with him. Matthew chapter 10. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, 12 including Judas, he gave them power against unclean spirits. Beloved, Judas was given power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Judas was anointed to cast out unclean spirits and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, the Bible is unequivocal because in verse 2 it says, now the names of the 12 apostles are these. And it lists all the apostles. And when you come to verse 4, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So he gave Judas power to cast out devils. He gave Judas power to heal the sick, all manner of diseases. He gave Judas power to cast out unclean spirits. The Bible says clearly in Matthew 10:4, and Judas Iscariot who later betrayed him. So Judas was anointed. He had all the giftings and he was doing well. Jesus gave them all these instructions. He said, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. All this Judas heard. Beware of men. They will deliver you up to councils. He heard all that. When they deliver you, don't think about what you will say. Judas was part. It is not you who will speak, but the spirit of your father will speak. Judas was part. But what happened to him? In John 13, 27. And after the supper, Satan entered into him. After the sop, the bread, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, that thou doest do quickly Judas received the gift of God he became anointed to work for God he was one of the 12 disciples sent out to heal teach and freely minister the power of Jesus himself Jesus did not strike out Judas because he was one of his anointed disciples he warned him several times but Judas took no heed Judas walked away from the presence of the Holy Spirit Judas was destroyed when he went away from the presence of God. Amen. Those who carry the presence of God and those who do not are very similar in their appearance. Hmm. It is often not easy to tell that the presence of God has departed from a minister. Perhaps the only way or one of the major ways to be able to see this difference is in the story of the weeds and the tares. The tares do not, the tears bear fruit, but wheat does not bear fruit. Amen. Wheat does not bear fruit. So, beloved, we have looked at the different dimensions and ways in which God dwells with us. And then we have looked at how you can be anointed. The Holy Spirit can be upon you. Because Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me. But the fact that you are anointed or you have giftings does not mean the presence of God is with you. Some of us we fool around, we live anyhow, and because the gifts are there, when we shake ourselves like something, it works. But beloved, let's take heed, because the presence may have lifted from us, and the presence of God is everything. That's why Moses said, if your presence goes not with us, send us not forth. We can only move if your presence will go out with us. Now lady reverend how can we have the presence of God? This is a tall question and will deserve a tall answer but I just want to dwell on one thing obedience because it's the master key to the presence of God. Amen. Now when we read our Bibles from John 8 29 He that sent me is with me. He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. He that sent me is with me. The Father has not left me alone. Why? For means because. Because I do always those things that please him. Because I do always those things that please him. Because I do always those things are blessed uh, bl- uh, please him. Beloved, obedience is one of the master keys of God being with us. Jesus is the son of, man, uh, of God talking here. And he says, the father has not left me alone because I do always. It's not enough to do sometimes. It's not enough to do when you are an early Christian. It's not enough to do when you are a congregation member. But when you become a pastor, You change your theology. It's not enough to do when you are excited as a new believer. But we are supposed to do always the things that please him. That is why God will not leave you alone. Jesus said, the father will not leave me alone. Because I do always those things that please him. Amen. And when you look at Job 23 verse 12, among other things, he says, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, I cannot see him. But he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. My foot hath held his steps. His way have I kept and not declined. Then the last verse, 12. Neither have I gone back from the commandment of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Beloved, obedience is esteeming God's word more than your necessary food. I'm sorry to say that Esau did not esteem God's word more than his necessary food. His necessary food, his desires drove him more than the word of God. The same is true of the church of God today. We are driven by our appetites. We are driven by our desires. We are driven, as the Bible says, by our own lusts. And we esteem our desires higher than his word. But Job said, I esteem his word above my necessary food. What is necessary food? Necessary food is hunger, necessary food is the human appetites that you have, like the craving for food. And Job said, I esteem God's word higher than my human desires. Can we say the same? Even to fast a few days is a problem. To fast from pornography is a problem. To fast from looking at stupid, unhelpful pictures is a problem. To fast from not feeding our lusts is a problem. Beloved, Jesus said, My father does not leave me alone because I do always the things that please him. Obedience. The church of God has to come to the place where we esteem God's word above our necessary food. There are times when things are difficult, but God's word precedes how you feel. Many Christians are not led by the Holy Spirit. They are led by their pain. Many Christians are not led by the Holy Spirit. They are led by their offenses. Many people are not uh, not led by the Holy Spirit. In church, they are led by their hurts. As soon as they are hurt, the Holy Spirit is relegated and the head becomes the leader. Beloved, there are many Christians like that. Can God trust you in the time of trial? Can God trust you in the time of difficulty? That your decisions will not lie in how offended, how hang- angry, how hateful you feel. But his, necessary, his word will be esteemed more than your necessary food. Amen. Now in John 8, 29, he said, he that sent me is with me. That's what I read. The Father has not left me alone because I do those things always that please him. You now, the Bible says in Genesis 6 verse 3 that the Spirit of God will not strive with man forever. Obedience to God is more important than entering his gates with thanksgiving. Most Christians enter the gate of God with thanksgiving, but are prevented from the presence of God. You know, the Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. So time will not allow me to come to that, but that's one of the major primary ways to enter into God's presence. Enter his gates with thanksgiving in your hearts and in his courts with praise. So thanksgiving and praise. Are a good way to enter his gates. But after the gates, you have to enter his presence. When you go to somebody's house, you may go through the gates, but that's different from entering where the presence of the person is. And it is there that we have problems because we do not do always the things that please him. We do sometimes the things that please him when it's convenient. We do sometimes the things that please him when it's easy. We do sometimes that things are pleasing when it's not difficult, when there's no suffering, when there's no sacrifice, we will do it. But when it comes to suffering and difficulty, then we say, Lord, you know, I can't always obey you. But Job said, I esteem your word more than my necessary food. Amen. We all will not entertain people in our presence who are not obedient to us, okay? Many of us will not employ somebody who is not obedient to us. Obedience is attractive, and it draws our superiors into our lives like a strong magnet. Almighty God is equally attracted to his obedient servants. Many people sing praises in church. They sing worship and all that. Unfortunately, after entering the courts, We are asked to leave because we are recognized as dangerous and disobedient children. A disobedient person is stubborn and rebellious against God's wishes and ideas. No wonder God does not entertain disobedient people in his presence. God does not give his presence to those who are disobedient. Today, large parts of the church of God are stricken with poverty and an inability to do anything substantial for the Lord. This is very ironic because most of the church is preaching about money, prosperity, general happiness and well-being and improvement. Yet the church, as it preaches more of this, is riddled with debts, mortgages and insolvency. Jesus gave the reason why God's presence was in him. Because he does always the things that please the Father. The things that please the Father are the things that are written in the Bible. Jesus said in Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That is the only building project that God is involved in. So if we are Christians and want to do always the things that please him, beloved, we must be involved in the only building project God has. And that is, I will build my church. I will build my church. Why don't you join him to build the church? It is a key way of obeying God. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against her. Amen. The presence of God is not necessarily with everybody who is preaching and teaching and leading the church down the road of materialism and secularism. Unfortunately, unfortunately, our ministries, our churches are not often so different from the secular world. The secular world teaches about maximizing profits. The church compromises its preaching of the gospel by preaching on topics that a worldly person can do better at than, that, than us. And sometimes we are walking and often in disobedience. I pray that the church of God will come back to the main thing and prioritize the main thing so that the presence of God will not leave us. God does not strive with us forever. When he's leaving, like Samson, he will give you a long rope sometimes. But at the end of the day, he doesn't give you notice. He just leaves. And then you become surprised. We are preaching human philosophies laced with a few scriptures It is as if pastors have now decided to tickle the fancies of men and give mental pleasure to listeners rather than preaching the word of God. Sometimes you go to church and say, today I loved, I loved so much, but you left with nothing. But God wants his word to be preached. Amen? The Bible says, preach the word in season and out of season. Now, another way, To cultivate the presence of God is to keep his words and to love him. Jesus answered and said unto him, If a man love me, he will keep my words. If a man love me, he will keep my words. I don't know if you remember when you last fell in love and how whatever the person said, you kept his word or her word, or in fact, you endeavored to do so. I remember many years ago, my husband was celebrating his birthday when we were in the university, we were not married. And then I gave him a present. And then he said, so as we are beloved, what is it that is dear to you or matters to you? And one of the things I said was, please speak to me gently, even if I'm wrong. And my husband said, oh, really? I'm going to try to do that. Let me write it in this Bible you have given me as a present so that I don't forget it. So he took a pen and he wrote, please speak to me gently, even if I'm wrong. This was a man in love. My words meant a lot to him. And he wanted to please me. That is how God is when we are in love with him. We want to do the things that please him. I remember also a friend of mine who believed a lot in women's rights. And so one day, we were going somewhere out of our hall, our house of residence. And my beloved happened to be leaving. He had just visited us. And so my friend had to excuse us for a while. So when I came out of the room, I had changed what I was wearing. And my friend said, oh, why did you change that beautiful dress you were wearing? I said, because my beloved said he doesn't like it. And she said, what? So because of that, you would change. As for me, it's not about whether you don't like it. If it's nice to me, it's nice to me. It's not what you say that I'm going to do. But you see, at that time, I was in love with my beloved, but she wasn't. So she was not prepared to change her dress. But for me, love, it was not even a bother just to change the dress although the person is not going with me to where i'm going that is how love operates and when we love god we would like to do his commandments and when we do his commandments it comes with great rewards amen you know the bible says in genesis 29 verse 20 that jacob worked for leah and because he for rachel and because he loved rachel so much The work of seven years seemed to him but a few days. When you love somebody, even when you are going the extra mile, you don't feel it because love lightens the load and love makes it a delight to work for the person. In the same way, God says, if a man loves me, he will keep my words and my father will love him. That is the reward for loving God. My father will love him, number one. And number two, we will come unto him. Wow, that is the presence of God. We will come unto him. Obedience attracts the presence of God. Obedience makes your beloved want to visit you more often. Amen? And vice versa. Even as a woman, if any time you express your concerns to somebody who claims to love you, especially even before you are married, And the person doesn't seem to take that into consideration. You will not be happy. But when my beloved took the pen and wrote in the Bible, speak to me gently, even if I'm wrong. Let me write it here so that every time I'm having my quiet time, I will see it and I will not forget. That alone melted my heart. So when somebody shows you love and wants to do things for you, you want to be with the person. So God says, If you keep his words, my father will will love you. And number two, we will come, that is father and son, unto him. And number three, we will make our abode with him. Beloved, that is how to nurture the presence of God. Love him. Keep his words. And then he will love you back. And then the two of them will decide to come to you. That is the father and the son. And then they promise in John 14 verse 23 that they will make their abode with such a person. Jesus promises that he and the Father will come and manifest themselves to you in a special way because you keep his commandments. Is that not all we seek for? The manifestation in our lives and ministries of God's presence. The manifestation of God's power in your life. can think of. Amen. And so I pray that you will keep his commandments. You will love him. When the commandments are obeyed out of love, it's easier. When it's not obeyed out of love, hmm, it's another story altogether. The secret of God's presence is hidden away from those who are proud. Psalms 31 verse 19 to 21. Oh, how great is thy goodness, which thou hast laid up for them that fear thee, which thou hast wrought for them that trust in thee before the sons of men. Thou shalt hide them in the secret of thy presence from the pride of man. Thou shalt hide them from In the secret of thy presence from the pride of man, thou shalt keep them secretly in a pavilion from the strife of tongues. Blessed be the Lord, for he has showed me his marvelous kindness in a strong city. Moses was the meekest man on earth, and he saw the presence of God like no other person. Jesus Christ, God with us, was born in a manger amongst animals. Satan was defeated because he could not comprehend how almighty God will condescend to such a low estate. Let us not seek to impress men. Do not seek to change the simple and humble gospel message into an impressive university lecture or into an impressive political or philosophical speech with quotations from Henry Ford, Socrates or Plato. The secret of God's presence is hidden away from the proud man. Today, many in the ministry are interested in in things that are simply the pride of man. Impressive cars, impressive houses, the gold, the diamonds, the power, the influence, the impressions, the money, the politics, and the fame are all the pride of men. God's presence is not found where the pride of man is found. God's presence is found in humility and lowliness. Amen. You will achieve much more for God by having his presence with you. Humble obedience is a master key to enjoying the presence of God. Beloved, the Bible talks in Galatians 15 verse 19 about the works of the flesh and it lists one of them as Selfish ambition, selfish ambition. Unfortunately, the modern day church, the body of Christ, the churches to which you and I belong are riddled with selfish ambition. Ministry is about selfish ambition. Ministry is about how famous, how popular, how great you can be. It's about the car you drive. Sometimes it's even about the crowds. It's not about souls, but it's about the crowds. All these are the pride of life. Second 1 John 2 verse 15, the second chapter of First John, verse 15, "Love not the world, nor the things that are in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, the pride of life. Life and the things in life can give you a certain pride. Pride in your degrees, pride in your profession pride in your so-called heritage. You know, the Duke of Edinburgh of the UK just passed away and they were saying that when he was going to get married to the queen, some people said, oh, he just wants to marry to take advantage because the queen is who she is. And then they were saying, but the Duke was also Blue-blooded, you know, when you say blue-blooded, it was believed in olden times that the royals had blue blood and you and I had red blood. So when they say somebody is blue-blooded, it means the person comes from a royal heritage. And they said, but this Duke of Edinburgh is not a commoner because his parents were kings in Greece. He had leanings with Nicholas II of Russia. And he had some monarchical relatives in Germany. And then his mother, Miss Battenberg, had also some English leanings. So when he was going to marry, they decided that they have to change his name from Battenberg, which was his mother's name, to Mount Barton to anglicize it and make it more royal. What am I saying? I'm saying that the pride of life Makes people, you know, when they enter even the kingdom of God, they come with do you know who my father is? Not so much your heavenly father but who your earthly father is. You walk into church and it's all about ambition, it's about comparison, it's about covetousness. That will make God hide his presence from us. The Bible says that God hides his presence from the pride of man. I pray that we will be found in a spirit of humility. The Bible says about Jesus being found in the form of man. He humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. The Bible says he did not count equality with God, anything to be grasped at. But when you come to church, they see to you somewhere it's a problem. Don't they know who I am? Do they know how long I've been in the church? Do they know my name? Why should they change my sitting place? Beloved, if you are a child of God, you are already seated with Christ in heavenly places. So where you sit in the church does not demote you. Because already in the realm of the Spirit, you are seated with Christ in heavenly places. If we will only catch the revelation, if we only will be people of the word, we will walk with God in obedience. And you know, he promises that he will come and love you. And then both of them will come to you. And they will come and make their abode with you. God will no longer be a visitor. The presence of God will no longer be today and tomorrow or when God moves. But the presence of God will always be with us because we do the things that please him. That is the master key to the presence of God. May God give us grace to walk in obedience and not just look at giftings and anointings. They are good. They come from God. But the presence of God is greater. May we not be like Saul. That when the the Spirit of God has departed from us, we will not even know it. Like Samson, who will say, I'll go and I'll shake myself as usual. And he did not know that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. I pray that a certain supernatural love will come into our lives and help us to be like Jacob. So that even when we serve, it will be to us like a few days. You know, we complain in the church and we look at man and we say, these people, they will use you. Beloved, it's not people who use you. It's God who uses you. God uses donkeys. God uses men. But if you would think right, they will love you, the two of them. They will come to you and they will make their dwelling with you. And the presence of God will come with all the blessings that are are commensurate with it. In Jesus' name, amen. Shall we bow our heads? Father, we thank you for your weather has come to us. It's so amazing that a trite and ordinary thing like obedience will attract your blessing and your presence. But Lord, you have said that so succinctly in your word, in John eight twenty nine, that my Father never leaves me because I do always the things that please him. Give your children the grace to be obedient. Deliver us from our own lusts, the idols in our lives, the things that claim our love and affection. We bring them down in Jesus' name and we enthrone you in our lives. Thank you. The presence will go with us and the presence will be our son. We will have no need of light because your presence will be enough. Thank you for healing and marvelous things that happen because of your presence that is brought about by our obedience. In Jesus' name, amen. You are here. You don't know Jesus as your personal savior. You may have been a churchgoer. You may be living life the way you want. The spirit of God is telling me some of us are juggling the giftings and the anointings. But we are not walking with him in obedience. Today and tonight, you want to say, lady reverend, pray for me. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to stop running around and make him the Lord and the master of my life. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I'm known as a great person in church, but I have hidden skeletons in my cupboard. Tonight, I want to come out in obedience so that the spirit of God will not leave me like he left Saul, but the presence of God will come back and abide with me. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I don't even know what the presence of God is. I just want a new beginning. If you are like that here, just say this prayer after me. Whether you've been a Christian before, or you are a Christian now, or you are not a Christian, you know yourself from what we are praying. Will you please pray after me? Lord Jesus, tonight, I come to you just as I am. Jesus, I have been an obedient, disobedient, and rebellious child. Tonight, I come to you in all humility. Accept me, Cleanse me from my sin. Make me your child. Thank you for dying on the cross so that I will be saved. Thank you for rising from the dead so that I will have eternal life. Thank you that by this simple prayer, I've become a child of God. And thank you that this is the first step and not the only step. Jesus, I commit my life into your hands. Bring me to a place of obedience. Bring me to a place when like Job, who was an ordinary man like all of us, I can say I esteem your word more than my necessary food. Thank you for answered prayer. Thank you for a new beginning, Lord, for all your children. Thank you for a new level of obedience and devotion everywhere man's eyes cannot see. And thank you that because of that we activate the presence of God in your church, in your pastors, in your children, in the body. Thank you for answered prayer in Jesus' name. Amen, and God bless you.
0: It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit the Vision Bookshop at the Kodesh North Kaneshi or meet her on Facebook at Rev. Mrs. Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 243 0243- one eight seven nine zero zero. You can also drop us an email at, honeyonmylips at gmail.com We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.